Now Pellick rolls it across. Ryan Pullock, here's Beauvillier. Beautiful move at the line to the outside. Bailey, flat pass. Dribbles past him, goes inside. Toppin got a piece of it. The follow won't go. Burks the rebound. Knicks have numbers. Alley oop. Alley oop to Toppin. Yeah. And it's Bedlam here at the Garden. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Yeah, yeah. Hi and hello, sports fan. And uh, minus three, I guess. We're still talking about sports. Either way, we are, as always, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make sure you tune in all day long if you're lucky enough for your favorite team to still be having a season. Uh, pal Dave Damashek. You can get exclusive offers and odds boost. FanDuel, more ways to win. And, of course, you're going to make a wager. Do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. The word minus number three. And follow along for all the alleged fun at minus three pod and points pod. While you're at it, here, let's break it all down as we jump into another hot sports weekend and beyond. How are you doing, Kevin Hedge? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I threw out four winners last week, and we only yeah, gave three. That's pr- it's hard to go 4-0 mm-hmm. on three picks, but I did. And obviously, I'm most proud of my uh, Bruins plus 165 to uh, beat the Capitals minus one and a half. Uh, uh, to to uh, go up in that series and eventually close it out. Um, Sheck, you know, obviously we have a lot of fun, but when your friend is genuinely suffering, it takes a little of the fun out of it for me. You know, obviously I'm as a neutral in the Penns Islander series. Um, I was trying to enjoy trying to get you and Santora and Sal to mix it up a little bit, obviously not having it um, in the midst That's of your true. nervous I, breakdown. I, I, I chimed in. I chimed in plenty. I, I, I made fat jokes and ball jokes and beyond about our mutual pal, Nick, Nick Santora, renowned uh, showbiz elite, not unlike Kevin Hench and uh, a diehard Islanders fan to boot. Yeah, you had a little text chain going. You tried to have some fun. Listen, was it fun? No. Did I say some mean-spirited things? You bet your ass I did. That's all I have left now. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sports poor now, Hench. I can't all gamble, right. right? Thank goodness for you, but I'm the yin to your yang. Also, as a hockey fan, yin-yang, as you sit there waiting with your feet up with luxurious weeks worth of rest as you, as you now catch the four-seed Islanders and everything else, you can't lose when it comes to wagering. I can't win. Up is down. Well, I don't know. You've always been. Well, let me ask you this. I guess that, 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 there's something right in the world. But anyhow, yes, up is, this is bad time. Up for is me. up. All right. Well, while it's still fresh. Okay. Jari with the crazy giveaway in game five. Just the calamitous decision to go up the middle with the puck. And by the way, I I love Tuka Rask, but pretty bad with the puck. Like, Make to make the most conservative, like don't try to do anything. Um, Jari obviously topping him with that decision slash execution. But did you agree with my text? Malkin doesn't sell out like Malkin is coasting a little bit, right? Like that's got to be a fucking 
full shot block, you got to be sliding in front of that guy. And, and Malkin kind of sticks his stick out like half acidly. I don't, I mean, obviously Jari deserves, I, we're going to go through every goal. So get, get ready. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my question was going to be. Do, do we really need now to, to, to uh, play coroner to what happened over those six games between Pittsburgh and Long Island? Or shouldn't we join forces together and look ahead to a bright future for your Bruins, not for your Celtics and for Eddie Spaghetti's? Uh, Knickerbockers here. Nobody cares about the Nets. We established that a week ago, even though they're the team that's going to end up going to the finals out of the East. But good time in uh, in MSG and in Nassau County Coliseum. In the here and now, you must immediately, and even if the game isn't over, the series isn't even over, you, you have to start fixing things for next season. So that's what everybody has taken to social media to, to do last night and today with these Penguins. And Sort of like what happened with the Edmonton Oilers. It's, it's, it, it does stink. The, the big overarching thing, as much as I've defended the sport of hockey, the, the thing that stinks is that now you have the Winnipeg Jets, the New York Islanders advancing, and you don't have the high-flying Pittsburgh Penguins and the, the now face of the game, Connor McDavid, moving on. That's not good for the sport. But now a lot of people in Edmonton and people in, in Spaghetti's, New York City, MSG, are saying, who do we have to give up to get Connor McDavid to play for the Rangers? And now people in Pittsburgh are saying, it's over. Got to trade Geno Malkin, who, by the way, was playing on a bum knee. I can make a, a, a powerful case that he really gutted it out and he was sparing himself in a double double overtime. I hear you. It, it was it was bad optics that he didn't chase that puck back into his own end, but defendable given, like I say, he had a bum knee. Um, a lot of people now, the core, it, it, it is akin, I guess, to an NBA big three. The Penguins have had for a dozen years now, the, they've had Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin, and Chris Letang, and that's their big three and, and, and always has been during their, their three-cup run here. Um, but everybody now is is saying it's over, and it's very similar. It's deja vu if you're in Pittsburgh to got it. Time to move on from Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, to what? That is always the question. It it goes back to your guy Rick Pitino sitting in Boston, and I think people live in fear of that. Hey, guess what? We held on a little too long to to that big three of Bird, McHale, and Chief, and it damned us for. A generation at least now i mean of course the len bias uh, tragedy is um played a major role in that too but this is the thing everybody has to do is they have to sell off these things and i'm fine with it i suppose as long as you can provide with me a reasonable uh, the, the reasonable upgrade it will provide in doing it otherwise what are we doing Ain't for change's sake tristan jari pooped the bed in i mean I, I don't want to get uh, crazy. This was one of the all-time choke jobs over the course of it. I mean, like Jake DeLome throwing 17 interceptions in a playoff game. Carson Wentz throwing, what did he throw? Carson Palmer, six in that playoff game. And this this ranks up there off the top of my head as one of the all-time choke jobs for a, a player of significance that I can recall. I mean, how say you? I mean, I'm just uh, – I mean, John Stark shooting. I mean, we're well, talking Knickerbox as well a little bit. Starks is one for 19 or whatever that was. Two for 18. Um, I don't have to tell spaghetti two for 18. Um, So, so uh, that's the question. And I'm glad you brought up general managers, the idea of general managers and making changes. Would the penguins 
have had a better chance in game six if they had started their general manager, Ron Hextall, in goal. <laughs> I mean, fucking Jari, you're irreparably broken. You're hanging by a thread prior to the calamitous gack. You're like, you're not playing well. You're fighting the puck, and then you give a game away. And I started texting you, like, who's in the system? Like, do they have – did they draft someone at a Colgate? Like, is there a guy who knows how to put goalie pads on? Like, this fucking, this mental case cannot go back between the pipes. And then sure enough, he goes in and, and gives up five through two periods. Everyone knows Jari was terrible, okay? When you're watching on TV, you can't see what's really going on. Like, you're always just like, okay, it's a 50-50 scrum against the boards. And I hope we emerge with the puck and the puck becomes visible again to the home viewer. The puck is at the opposite blue line. Bavillier, like, is not even turned toward the Penguins' goal. Genzel has him lined up. Like, there's no way not to get body or puck. Now, it happened against the boards, so I don't know if Jake Genzel became anti-matter or he's like i don't know how bavillier just turned and skated up the ice what did he do like it's so crazy and then he's out of the play and he's trailing it the whole way and the fifth goal was the backbreaker that was the backbreaker uh in in all phases and and even though they continued to dominate uh throughout the third period you just knew that you know two goals was going to be too too high a hill to climb but uh, yeah, so it seemed like, I mean, has there been no, I mean, in, 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 in uh, the one that people in Pittsburgh are throwing out and it's my go-to one always is the weirdest um, uh, paradox in terms of statistical dominance and game result was there was a game with our pal David Carr when he was, I think he was a rookie QB for the Houston Texans. I think it was their, um, their first year maybe their second year, but either way they come in and they play a really good Pittsburgh team. That was the bizarro year there where Tommy Maddox was throwing it all, all over the place. Uh, AFL legend um, or XFL legend. And um, the Steelers, I mean, dominate the game like 450 plus total yards. Um, they, the, the turnovers favor the Texans, but other, I, I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me to make a stronger point about it, but it was they the Steelers lose the game twenty four to six. It was that level of disparity between the statistical dominance versus the results on the scoreboard. And the the big thing is that had Casey DeSmith, the backup goalie, the injury to a backup goalie, who knew it three weeks ago, is what was going to determine this series. <laughs> I really, I mean, I, I I I don't think that's hyperbolic to suggest that that's it, that's what it boiled down to. If they could have just said. All right, Jari ain't got it. Casey DeSmith, who, who you've been our 1A all year anyway, get in there, uh, provide some stability, and the Penguins would be either already on to Boston or we'd be looking at a game seven at worst here. It's, um, it, yeah, it's vexing stuff there because of that result. And also, you, you want to just say, okay, get in the bathtub. Let's do the tomato juice and industrial soap and wash off the skunk stink that uh, Tristan Jari put on our uh, potential long Stanley Cup run, except that they they don't have the luxury of Sidney Crosby, Gino Gino Malkin, and Chris Letang in their primes any longer. They're now 
at the back end of that if they're even still considered in their collective prime. So now that's been burnt. And so now where do you go from here as an organization is a big question. I do wonder, though, Hench, as I talk about the larger picture, you know, it's bizarre to me. And I said to Sal and I say it to you now, I said it to him a couple of days ago on extra points. But it's hard to fathom that Gary Bettman came up in the sports commission business at the knee of David Stern, who as soon as he takes over in the early age, 83, 84, David Stern takes over as commissioner. His first move is it's all about the stars. Whatever liberates the stars, whatever raises their profile, that's what the game needs. Somehow Gary Bettman moves to the NHL and goes 180 degrees from that. How do we make these bum teams that have no business hanging with the elite players? How do we even the playing field? How do we how do we make the ice uh, tilt in their favor? Oh, we allow clutch and grab because that will uh, that will engage this uh, th- this new fan base that we want to build in Florida or wherever else. And and here we are now with the game's biggest stars now watching. Uh, watching the Winnipeg Jets. Great, great move. This is good for hockey. And now the fallout is, so is Connor McDavid, did they have to move him to save the, the, the save his career? Well, I mean, th- do you think they moved Connor McDavid actually or no? Well, I, find it hard to I, I, I got a million thoughts. Uh, one, in hockey, you see it over and over and over again. In fact, the Monday night game where the Penguins got 50 shots on goal and completely dominated the Isles, the night game, Golden Knights versus Wild. The shot disparity was like forty to thirteen. It was worse, and and the Wild won and and are facing a game seven. Um, game seven of the two thousand nineteen Stanley Cup Finals. The Bruins totally dominated the first period with every Bennington save. I knew we were going to lose. I'm like, this is bad. This is bad that we are the dominant team on the ice, but not cashing. The longer you go without cashing, you're like, if this puck goes into our zone for 30 seconds, we're giving up a goal. Sure enough, first seeing eye bouncer that the Blues bat towards Rask eludes him. Then Marshawn makes a terrible play at the end of the period. They're down two zip after completely dominating the, the first period. It happens all the time in hockey. So while, you know, Gary Bettman can only do so much and he can't, you know, the, the Jets, Oilers is a little different than the Penguins, Islanders, because the Penguins created chances. I mean, the Penguins, the Penguins weren't really stifled in that series, right? You know, they just, they got beaten by a better goalie. So it really, I feel like, is a byproduct of the sport. Like, there's, yes, you can completely dominate in all phases, except for one, which is the guy with the ridiculous pads on. And if if your goalie has any kind of uh, shakiness between the ears, you're fucking doomed. I mean, it's why we knew the the Bruins would prevail. You know, when Ovechkin's yelling at Samsonov, we're like, why are you trying to psychologically break your own goalie? You're still in the series. Uh, You know, obviously no one had to yell at Jari. He he was doing it to himself. But uh, yeah, it's it's you can't you really can't overcome it if a guy is just fighting the puck like that. Well, I mean, bottom line is uh, it's down for me with, I don't know who could have been worse than Jari. You said it. I said it yesterday and a lot of other people did too. I mean, do you need anything, anything more than watching the last couple minutes of the game when the goalie was pulled that 
the Islanders literally had a tougher job scoring into the empty cage than they did on, on Tristan Yard. It's down to now, like, I don't care what they do. Yeah, go trade for Julio Jones, throw him between the pipes. Maybe the guy who dumped popcorn on Russell Westbrook. That you know, I'm I'm ready to think outside the box on this because it's a real shame that it it really it, again. That was crazy. I mean, for me, it's 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 the closest thing I can think of that you know, and we all can belly ache. And we all are players, coaches at this point as fans. It's just as they always say when they retire, like the losses stick with you much more than than the wins ever do. And it is a sad reality that you only feel relief when your team wins at this point, and just bitter, the awful, uh, inconsolable depression when your team loses. Um, and it, it 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 is about um, for me. My those are for me. Tommy Maddox in Super Bowl Thirty. You just never get that one back. That was a game the Steelers really could have won against the, the generation's dynasty. You just never get another shot at that one. And John Smiley pitching Game Seven against the Braves, going out to the hump, had some had some arm issues going into. It. A lot of questions about it. Jimmy Leland, the skipper, on down. What is the arm okay? We can't put you on the bump for a pivotal game seven. If you're no, I'm good to go skip. I'm ready to go. I want to be out there for the team. Then he goes out there, gives up a three run home run in the first inning after the game, John Smiley, how was the arm? It, it just wasn't right. You know, I, I it, it was, my arm wasn't right. Then don't pitch well, thank- you, you, you bum. <laughs> thanks, for gut- <laughs> thanks for gutting it out. We really appreciate you gutting it out, John. Wait, 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 you think, wait, but yes, like, like we talked about, the outsized role of certain positions in sports. The closer, uh, like we talk about, the place kicker, uh, by the way, uh, muzzle tough on a great run there, uh, Adam Vinatieri in Foxborough and Indianapolis, and the literal outsized guy between the pipes. These 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 uh, Michelin men between the pipes playing this role, that's the reason it doesn't sit well with me as a longtime hockey fan. We give a lot of praise, and don't get me wrong, Sorokin really did make some legitimate spectacular saves and the flower in Vegas is is really making some insane gymnastic level kind of saves but for the most part a lot of guys get credit for um being positionally sound and that's fine and that's what you're supposed to do but it's hard for me to swoon over and for me to wax po- uh, wax poetic about like he is sound he doesn't get off his spot the puck Hits him because he consumes nine tenths of the goal because of the padding that's allowed. And you know, with that, I do want to talk knickerbockers because I really do. I want to. I want to celebrate. I don't want to uh, go further into depression here. And that was that was a, a, a nifty victory. Um, but let's do it here. We do a little uh, a little segment on occasion called Punch Up. My longstanding one for hockey is. I said it last week. Actually, I would take the message of the Sun Belt um, and watching those great games between Canes and the Lightning and the Panthers and everything else and do the same thing in the Pacific Northwest and move the Anaheim Ducks up to Portland and then Seattle and uh, and Vancouver. And now you got a real new regional rivalries um, being developed up there. Um, But more practically, if you can't shrink the pads and and, and somehow expanding the goal would warp the sport. I think a way to do it a little bit less is and it wouldn't be as eye catching. I don't think, although it, it would take a little adjustment for the players. Is you can't leave your feet to block a shot. How about that? You have to keep one skate on the ice 
to block a shot. I know that that would change the way a lot of people play defense, but you talk about the padding at this point. Again, we the the one of the biggest words you hear when you're watching a hockey game is courage. Yeah, courage, you know. Um, look at the courage he shows to block a shot. Is it really that courageous if you don't feel it? I mean, they're, they're wearing they're wearing padding that limits the pain that they feel from block. Now, if it catches you in the wrong spot between the skate and uh, and the padding and it hits you on the ankle, then it smarts. But for the most part, there isn't a price that they're paying. Look at him paying the price. Like, stop laying all over the ice. That's what's killing the sport. Every goal has to be scored from six feet in. That's my punch up for this sport of hockey. I don't know how you can All limit right. the, the the neutral zone trap. I would have thought Connor McDavid at least would have had the speed and the overall talent of the Penguins could have skated around it. I was proven wrong once again. It sucks and it really hurts the sport. Go. Well, listen, uh, your 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 Hall of Fame punch up was the overtime rule that the NFL adopted. This punch-up you just pitched will not enter the Pantheon. The 17-minute review to find out if the guy had a skate on the ground or not when he blocked a shot, that's not going <laughs> to yeah, work. But, but, yeah. this, but this is like a simple fucking punch-up. Okay, playoff hockey. What becomes, what becomes paramount? Getting a power play. Getting a power play is, is just – essential special teams become essential to winning these games. So uh, accordingly, there's a little bit of, of whistle swallowing as the game goes on, which I, I think is right. You know, it's like, we're not going to have a chicken shit penalty decide this incredibly important playoff hockey game, except defenseman flips the puck and it doesn't hit the glass and it goes into the stands and he definitely wasn't delaying the game. It's a completely fucking inadvertent play and it happens to hop into the stands and it's like, you're off. That's a penalty. It's like th- this thing where we go like, no, it hit his stick or it hit the glass or it's like, it, it has nothing to do with the game. I mean, we've all seen a guy who's gassed after being trapped in his zone for two minutes, desperately heave the puck somewhere, and that is delay of game. But in the middle of the second period, when you're 15 seconds into your shift, you're not delaying the game. The idea that it's an automatic penalty cannot be negotiated is insane. Like, it just, that needs to be done away with. I, I, you know, 90% of the time, the guy is not actually trying to do what the rule is intended to prevent. You know, he's trying to spring his buddy along the boards and it, and it just misses the glass. And now you've got a guy in the box. So I would get rid of that. Just it's too important to, to not be a man down. And like and, and now these these close ups of the did it hit the glass? Well, let me just say, so are you OK, but you don't you, you like refs swallowing the whistle in big spots. Does this then mean that you think? that in Arrowhead three Januarys ago that they should have not called D Ford for lining up offside and sent the Chiefs to the Super Bowl? Your better example, your, Patriots, your, 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 your better example would have been Kelly Sutherland swallowing the whistle when uh, Nola Chari was concussed from behind against the Blues and he let the goal stand. No, of course not. Of course not. If it's obvious – you know, I mean, if you're offsides, you're offsides. You know, that's not really a let them play situation. Uh, but Kelly Sutherland choosing to let him play while Noel Achari's head is bouncing off the ice is fucking insane. He'll he'll never be forgiven. You know what we've accepted? We, we've accepted in the last 20, 25 years when they made that rules change. It is a funny thing 
um, just to read it, that it, it, as it states in the rule book, drew blood, that that's what the officials look at in sport of hockey. Like, wait, 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 is there blood? Wait, let me look close. There were <laughs> insane. That's another one. That's another one that has to be extra two. That, that, no, listen, my seven-year-old lost a tooth. She's fucking bleeding like Vito Anafermo against Marvin Hagler. Does that mean that it should, it, there should be more time in the box? Like you're a bleeder. Like, we got guys. We got to draft bleeders. Make sure you taste. We need a team of hemophiliacs. We we have to fucking have guys who bleed. It's just such an advantage. And you see a guy take a fucking stick square, and there's no blood. And it's like, well, yeah, you almost got decapitated, but there's no blood. As opposed to the glancing blow that's like my mock three after too many shaves. Like, oh wow, it that barely got you, but it did. It did draw a little blood. Okay, yeah, that is that is another stupid like rule. It. Spaghetti, listen, we're talking puck and everything, and I'm sure you looked at what was happening up in Nassau County Coliseum. But you in New York, as we speak here, have to make it a little bit sweeter. It really is nice. That's what's the best thing about sports, as much as I say the losses are what you carry with you for the rest of your days. It's the special moment, and it doesn't have to be a title. It doesn't, you know. I have the Sonic Award every year that I give out at the end of the year for the sports town whose whose fans suffered the most. I feel like, and it's not that you who who lost the most games; it's who hurt the most. That's why Pittsburgh, by the way, is tracking to get the Sonic Award between Roethlisberger in January and now listed Islanders. Pittsburgh's well on its way to a Sonic Award in 2021. But the other side of that, you got to sit with your with the entire Pasta family and watch the Knickerbockers win a huge one i mean msg electric everybody talk about people waxing romantic about something it is the atmosphere in msg on wednesday night what do you think going forward let's let's let that jump into our best bets in fact is this one that weirdly guts them because they devoted so much energy to to rallying winning this game and now it's a victory for the season or do you think they build on this and now take down the hawks heading to the atl i feel pretty good about it and i'll try to be a little bit vague here and we'll wait till we give our our best best because i have some insight on some some stuff but like i said in the last show when we we're talking about oh. game one the their ace in the hole is that julius randall still hasn't played like the julius Randle we've seen this year and if you still follow the statistics like i said going uh, before game one like they have done a generally good job versus trey young obviously game one not a, as great as that name real and weird move by like taking him out and in, in, in game two and the knicks are getting really really great play from guys like alec burks or guys like Derek rose who obviously is a tips favorite he played like almost 40 minutes in the game so much for a, a sixth man so i just trust tips coaching uh i trust the the knicks as a really good defensive team limiting the scoring options for uh the hawks i don't think tips will allow what happened in game one happen again so i I feel pretty good about it. And especially when you have Randall playing at a, you know, most improved player level, like he, you know, he won this year, I think it really does change the series. So I, I feel pretty good. Like one, you know, if I know you said that, you know, you got the bonus points in Burks in, in, in game one, but if Randall played an average game, the Knicks win that game and they're two Oh right now going into Atlanta. So that's kind of how I feel. It's kind of sad uh, spaghetti, but it's the first time this ever happened, but they rescinded the most improved player award from Julius Randall at halftime. They actually took it back. They're like, wow, were we wrong? What a, what a stiff. So when Derrick Rose, when the reconstructed, rebuilt Derrick Rose is your best player, you're in fucking trouble. 
that that team that that victory in game two told me as much about their prospects going forward as the loss in game one. I also did a deep dive. The Knicks suck. That's not a good team. They have they have so much trouble getting a good shot. So you're ending up with like Derrick Rose jump hooks from 12 feet. Like these shots are terrible. And and he, you know, he converted. And I know he's an unorthodox player, but like I watch that game and I'm like, they're definitely winning game three. So that's my first pick is the Hawks game three. Wow. Second pick. Okay. Celtics Nets mismatch. Not fair. The question is, the question is not are the Nets going to sweep? I think that's that's it's who's, it's it's who's in goal for the Nets. That it's a big question. That could be the big equalizer. So, um, you know, the Celtics are catching seven in Game Three. That's where that's where I'm going to say the Celtics are going to get swept, but there's going to be they're going to cover the spread once, and it will be in Game Three, hmm. a heroic stand that they they lose down the stretch, uh, um, but they but they. They cover the number. They beat the spread. Um, and then my third pick, it's so crazy that the way the NHL has played out where it's like, as of this taping, I don't know when the Islanders-Bruins game is. Has it been announced? Game one? Like, that, I thought it was two tickets, days right? away. I have yet to see. Right, yeah. You're right. I haven't yeah, seen I the numbers emerge for that is except it, for the series on. Is it general admi- admission? Is it a fucking Who concert in Cincinnati? Hey, Hey, whenever you guys want to come, uh, we, we're going to surprise you. We're going to do a flash mob. The game is starting now. So anyway, whenever they play that game, and I, I don't have uh, NHL history stats to back this up, but my gut always tells me ring rust trumps rest. The team that is flying off of a, of a fucking emotional victory goes into game one, still on that high. I like the Bruins for the series, but the Islanders in game one. So you'll catch a very nice number on the Islanders against the rested Bruins. And I never think rest helps at all in the playoffs. So Hawks, Celtics plus seven, Islanders. It is. I'm fascinated by exactly that subject as much as one who has uh, decided that uh, hockey is dead to him. Um, That is a fascinating conundrum is – the rested team in the Bruins versus this team that is deficient in terms of skill against the Bruins with their system and a hot goalie working in their favor. I, I, I'm i with you completely about the, the point you just made. I am going to avoid making a game one pick as a result, and I'm just going to join you. It's uninspired catching the Bruins at uh, minus 205 to win the series, but that's the bet. That's the one I'm, I'm sure – does end up winning out there. The question with that series overall is, as you saw, they what the Islanders can do, what Trotz can do is he generally can Belichick you. What Belichick always does to everybody is take your best way. What Trotz seeks to do, what that system seeks to do is to take away the perfection line. Two months ago, I would have thought, well, then they're damned. They're not going to be able to get around a team like the Islanders because they'll take away the perfection line. And then where's their, their scoring coming from? Taylor Hall's been a revelation. I would be a little mad if I were a Sabres fan or in uh, the Sabres front office. Like, you couldn't have done any of this. Like, I mean, none of this. And by the way, same goes for you, Jeff Carter, if you're a Kings fan. Like, nothing. You, 
I mean, so are we to are we to take this to mean you just decided not to try that you knew that the team wasn't good? So you're like, ah, seventy percent heavy paycheck. Ah, who's gonna notice? Um, but yes, the 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 second line that they're now throwing out there um, with uh, inspired by Hall makes the difference for the Bruins, and that's why they're gonna win this series. Um, and as I've said before, I'd be a little raw. And, and Barzell didn't have a good series. Uh, Beauvillier did have a good one in the back half of the series. But I'd be a little miffed if I were a highly skilled player. It would be like being on a Belichick team. Unless you're Brady, it's like, how come he's – how come the coach gets all the credit? I, I did some good stuff too. Um, I, why, I don't know how I fell back into the Penguins. That's a subject I wish to avoid for the next three months, Eddie Spaghetti. Please monitor it. Um, so, yes, I will go with the Bruins there. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ride, I'm going to go against Hench against my better judgment since he's the one that's hot here. And plus he's plugged into those Celtics. They know it's over. And I feel like it's, you know, I'm trying to think of who the perfect ace pitcher is, who that was always said about was it Pedro. I feel like Pedro Martinez was one of those guys that you said, like, you better catch him in the first inning or it's too late. If you get the, is it Kershaw who they say that about sometimes? You better get him early because if you do, you can beat him up a little bit and get him up. But if he gets through that first clean, you're doomed. He's just going to throw zeros at you the rest of the night. I feel like that's the Nets. If anybody was going to get him, anybody was going to reveal anything about the way to beat them, that that time has come and gone now. Um, the Nets are only going to get better from here on out. They're going to smoke everybody. And that's the – so I say um, – uh, every game from here on out, starting with Thursday night, I say um, take the uh, lay the minus seven. I think that the, the Nets will um, easily go past that. Um, I do want to say though, it's too bad. It's kind of like again being uh, consumed by the AFC North for a few for a few days in front of a big Steelers Ravens game. You allow yourself to ignore the Patriots with Tom Brady are looming and are going to eliminate whoever survives that come January. But for, in, in the moment, it's everything to to uh, to be in that Bucks and um, Bucks and Nets is going to be that, don't you think? I mean, that's going to be that's going to be some series. It's going to be wonderful. Neither team is uh, especially adept defensively. Um, I just think it's going to be an all-time splendid shootout. Like we didn't even in the olden days, people always talk about. Remember how oh, you had to stay up to watch the NBA playoffs? If you wanted to see the Lakers play in the conference finals, you had to stay up to eleven thirty, and it was on tape delay and whatever, all that kind of stuff. You never saw the Nuggets. You never saw like a Blazers Nuggets shootout like they used to have with those guys. This is going to be, I think, what it must have been to sit in 1983 and watch Kiki Vandaway and Adrian Dantley uh, trade shots all night long, except it's going to be elite stars on both sides. Just, you know, 158 to, to 151 kind of finals. I'll say you. I, I just think if the big three are healthy, that they're, you know, Giannis is actually like, I mean, he's, he's unbelievable, but like you can build a village around him. Like the way that those three, Irving, Harden, and Durant go together, you can't take it all away. I mean, Middleton's a nice player, Holiday's a nice player, but I just, I don't see, I mean, especially if it's a shootout, I just don't see anyone hanging with those nets. 
like you want to be able to junk it up, which you can't really anymore. Uh, so I just feel like that team is built for today's NBA <laughs> and, and I don't, you know, barring a hamstring or an Achilles, I don't see, uh, I don't see them losing. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Yes. Well, I, that, that's my bottom line too. The Nets will win and then they will beat anybody. And if the Sixers get past uh, the Hawks or Spaghetti's Knickerbockers, whichever comes to pass, I think the, the Nets are just going to, I think I said it to you guys, but I'll repeat myself a week later. It really is the the Tom Brady Patriots thing. It's like there are rules that we you can't break those rules and still expect to win. The Nets are about to prove that all those rules go out the window when you're that, that loaded with talent. Eddie Spaghetti, I'm just curious, where does that Knickerbocker's victory on Wednesday night rank for you? From a, I mean, as not, a Knicks fan, as a New York City fan, it, that's not way up there for you in the all time. I know it obviously no. didn't, didn't end you guys lifting a. Tr- trophy or anything but pretty special stuff after a long walk through the desert of ineptitude no it doesn't it doesn't rank super high like you know i know hench was just saying some stuff about the knicks and i don't necessarily disagree with all that i don't think the knicks are a really good team i don't think the knicks are gonna even matter in the next round if they do advance i think them and the hawks are very neck and neck uh just because i give out bets that i like the knicks in the series does not mean i think that they can go on some crazy uh you know heat like run like they did in the bubble last year but i don't i don't it's weirdly you know that last knicks team that made the playoffs the you all remember like the carmelo jr smith jason kidd rasheed wallace like that team Tyson chandler i almost had more confidence in that team maybe <laughs> that's uh, so maybe, i love that group. yeah bunch a bunch of all that that's one of the more underrated but just who you want to hit the hit the town with after the game. That that's oh, up well, there. I think probably yeah. an underrated group in the all time history of sports collectives that you'd want to run with. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean without a doubt. Look at that group. But they anyway, at least you, Mello was disrespected, but he he was you know ice cold sometimes and like uh, an ice cold killer rather. Like he was, I mean, the guy you really relied on and trusted. So that's I kind of had more confidence in them. But to give my picture to this next team, I. Look, like I just said, I don't have the utmost confidence in them, but I think I can only go based on the numbers and based on what I've seen this season. And this season, before game one, they were 3-0 versus the Hawks, and the Knicks are a very good defensive team. Now, coming into the series, obviously, they're out. You know, Mitchell Robinson, who I think makes a humongous difference. I know he's tweeted that he may come back. Uh, the reports are, last I saw was like 19 hours ago, he's still on a steady, you know, process to return it's nothing immediate is going to happen if he came back out of nowhere and even was 75 percent, i do i do think that makes a really big difference uh in the interior for the knicks but anyway the best that i wanted to get out for them because i think they are so close the the hawks uh the over under for this game for them the team is 107 and a half the they scored 107 in the first game they scored i believe it was like 92 last game in game two and if you look at, at what the knicks usually uh, you know, let other te- opposing teams score one oh seven and a half is a lot of points. So I want to go with the under in this one. I just don't see him scoring that much. I think Tibbs is going to really clamp down and not let Trey Young did re- do what he did in the first game. Uh, the other that that bet is uh, minus one twelve. The other one I like is the Knicks winning margin is between one and five points. So if they win the game between one point or five points, uh, it's plus four eighty. I think the Knicks are going to win game three, and it's going to be a really really close one here. And uh, the last bet that I wanted to give out and with, with the New York Mets 
and I don't know if you guys saw the lineup today. They threw out there versus the the Rockies they're playing. And outside, they got Dominic Smith back, so I'll leave him off this. And I'm going to include Francisco Lindor, who's batting like 186. But they have the guys playing for them, Jonathan Villar, James McCann, Patrick Mazika, Jose Peraza, Cam Maven, Billy McKinney, and then obviously your pitcher bats. Uh, they're going to go against uh, tomorrow's game versus the Braves, a good team. Ian Anderson's 4-1, 2.82 ERA, and his last six outings, and four of them he's given up two runs or less. Uh, you know, the Mets today were given a total, a team total of five runs. If it's the similar number to that tomorrow, I, I really would say hammer that under. First, a good pitcher. The offense is putrid. They paid so much money for Lindor, and the guys below the Mendoza line by like 20 points. Uh, it's 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 a real mess for them, so I like the Mets uh, under. I just love the the plus 480 bet because it's ballsy. It's really ballsy. The pro, you know, when you're trying to hit that winning margin between one and five, your asshole will spend the last minute puckered as they start fouling. Like you're going to hit it. You're definitely going to hit it. It, it. It's a back and forth game. Then you go up four. Now it's a two possession game. And then they foul and like you, you, you lose by six. You were right, and you and you were losing money. So I, that's such a ballsy bet, and, and it makes it so hard to to know exactly how to root down the stretch. Um, but uh, I love that bet. That that's now. Listen, speaking of great Knicks games, you know, as as Chef I, I, I got to throw in. Yes, I have to throw in one. I have to throw in one more late breaking. Um, I've just observed. I've been kind of monitoring. I love the. Um, the uh, the futures bets in the NFL, and that's if, if Damashek's made any hay in gambling terms of late, it's by making longer play series bets versus uh, uh, individual games. That's uh, I've had mild success riding your Bruins a little bit there, Hench. Um, the the way since we focus on the Northeast, the way to cheat this a little bit, I'm not going to talk about the AFC West. Do you know that there's been a two point swing? For the Giants' first-round game, the Giants opened up as laying the point to the visiting Denver Broncos. Now, all of a sudden, the Broncos are minus one. That I mean, conversely, in the AFC West, the Broncos are now behind the Chargers at plus 600 to win the AFC West. I still think, after the Aaron Rodgers interview earlier in the week, and it's getting bizarre, by the way, although the photographs this ongoing hawaiian double date with aaron Rodgers, shailene woodley and miles teller and, and and his wife she's the real star what is she she's sort of like um when we look back 50 years from now at the history of pro football she's gonna be a zapruder like uh um influence on what shakes out here it's gonna we're all gonna look back at the film from hawaii and how aaron Rodgers spent his time out there to divine how he wound up playing for the denver broncos um but i'm gonna throw in the Denver Broncos, I think it's a fun bet to make right now, giving a point to the Giants on the assumption that Aaron Rodgers is under center for them amid this uh, this human melodrama going down. Um, go ahead with your Nick story there, Hedge. Well, uh, real quick, so she could be the Yoko Ono of Packers Nation is kind of what you're saying. Like, like I well, no, I think Shailene Woodley is that. I don't know what that makes Miles tell Mrs. Teller. But, oh yeah, that, uh, that okay. I I, I had my uh, my floozies mixed up. No offense. Um, the uh, uh, I, I was thinking about uh, great Knicks playoff games, you know, and 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 like it is sad. It is sad when the Knicks' recent playoff history is so pathetic that you have to ask a young fan like Spaghetti 
is this the greatest moment of your life? The only game you're going to win in a first round series against another <laughs> shitty team. It's the greatest, it's the greatest playoff moment of your life. Wow. It's so sad. It is. It is, it is sad. <laughs> well, I, so I immediately, of course, flash onto Walt Frazier, game seven, 1970, 36 points, 19 assists. He destroys Jerry West. He destroys Jerry West in a game seven, 36 points, 19 assists. Just, you know, imagine John Morant does that in a game seven now, like how it's covered, how it's reported. Walt Frazier has to live the rest of his life talking about the Willis Reed game. Oh, when the guy limped out and made two totally fucking inconsequential 15 footers, the Willis Reed game. I destroyed Jerry West. I had 36 and 19 in a game seven, and you're going to call it the Willis Reed game in perpetuity? Wow. Oh, because I was so inspired. Jerry West would have gotten the better of me that day, but I was so inspired by Willis Reed. Like, it's so nuts. Uh, how do you, you know, think, how do you think now- Jacoby Jones feels? Uh, Jacoby Jones is is one is very close to the top of that list. They go to the Super Bowl. First of all, they get to a Super Bowl in part because he catches that insane uh, touchdown pass in the final seconds of regulation in, uh, a mile high several weeks prior. But then he returns the opening kickoff of the second half in the Super Bowl for a touchdown. And prior to that, he catches an insane funny play to kind of look back on because he catches it and then he slides and the Niners defender jumps over him and then he jumps back up and he runs lateral runs almost literally east west till he can turn the corner on the other defender given pursuit and into the end zone two touchdowns yeah Flacco's the MVP and all we talk about after the game is this is really special to do for old Ray Ray what about me everybody <laughs> I'm not looking to win that game without me anyhow yeah I I'm with you on that. I always feel bad for those guys. That's uh, that's a shame. Um, well, that's you know what, uh, what about the other list, While we're on that list, I uh, law scores a fucking touchdown for the Patriots against the Rams. The, the defense completely shuts down the Rams. Tom Brady throws for 145 yards and also leads the offense to one touchdown. So the point production from Brady and Ty Law is equal. And Ty Law was part of a defense that completely shut down the greatest show on turf. Let's just give it to the quarterback. Why? Why? That one is insane. They're too busy up on Mount Pius, a.k.a. in the press box uh, these days, where they used to have booze and it was accepted and celebrated, but now they monitor if you make a peep. Shame the devil that you be a human being in a, in a press box. I, I have paid the price of bleeding no, so, yeah. joy. In favor of my team, I got quickly reprimanded for that. Unprofessional, as you can, what? as you can imagine, as you can imagine. So have I, not a not a shrinking violet in the press what box. What kind of thing is that? I, what, is this, what kind of weird I standard just, is that? Wait, do you think all these people whose whose lives are now who, whose professions have been devoted to covering sports are somehow not sports fans? That's a, a bizarre math that people ask you. But no, I, you should be more objective. Nope, no, I shouldn't. I'm not. I'm not uh, reporting anything of human worth. I, I, it, it, this is not. Uh, this is not about some massive tra- tragedy happening on other lands or on American soil or otherwise. I'm talking about sports. I'm happy that one team scored. <laughs> if, I one, if, I, if I have one, if I have 
if I have one professional regret, it's that I didn't challenge the entire press box to a fight at Fenway Park after I got reprimanded. My my exclamation was, um, White Evans hit a bomb to the triangle with a runner on first, and it hopped over the wall. Obviously, the run's going to score, but it's like, go back to third because this guy just hit a 418-foot double ground rule double so you got to go back and i'm like you know i'm like motherfucker and then it's like a, a a fucking a fucking swat team shows up around me with their badges their bbwa a badges and I, i'm like do these badges mean you guys are chubby chasers what is bbw well i don't know like why is everyone hassling me get off my fucking back i'm a red sox fan that's why i'm here shaughnessy i'd hit you in the fucking chin if you had one if you had a chin i'd hit you in the fucking chin you're all a bunch of sanctimonious assholes. Just fucking tip the table over and walk out. We really do. I don't want to get into it now. This, somehow we end up uh, going deep dive on subjects once we're 45 minutes or an hour into the show. Tonight, I, I, am, I am going to resist that temptation. But I do say, Eddie Spaghetti, put a pin in the idea. We got to figure out about a conversation about these curmudgeons that cover sports on one side. The people who hate sports, resent everything about it, all the people in it, those are the old guard guys that uh, you know spent too much time in, in steamy, sweaty locker room. Now there's the other side, the newfangled analytics people, which of course I support. I'm not some uh, uh, old uh, 1952 cigar chomping squares. Like, oh, I use my gut to make decisions. Well, actually, I am that guy. But I respect analytics. I don't know why any organization a professional organization wouldn't be using them i find the creep of analytics voices into sports to be stealing just a little bit of the joy just a little bit of the joy bill james deserves uh, the genuflection and everything else but i feel like the percentage of analytics based conversations around sports is turning the whole thing a little bit too much into a math equation and not about the visceral and i don't care for that but we'll talk about that at a later date, because I, I want to get your thoughts on talk about the visceral. But this, this is not that, but it's forced fun, but it's kind of fun that nonetheless. What do you think about the golf rivalry? I always complain. Hey, NFL, tell your guys no more jersey swapping. That's not a good look. You want the sense from the fans that they don't like each other. It is not good when they're like, hey, I respect you. I want to get your jersey and we assign it for me like they're fanboys of each other. Not good. Do that on your own time. At least these two guys really seem to hate each other. Unfortunately, it's golf because they're not going to come to blows. Or are they? Well, it's, you know, at, with absolutely no dog in the fight and no idea who's who did what and who fucked whose girlfriend, I don't know anything. But from the 30-second clip, I'm like, I'm on Team Kepka. This is like, there's a certain kind, like, you're like, fucking guy did something like the level of disdain the fucking like oh my god here we go again with this guy and i was just like there's something the way i'm reading kepka's reaction where i'm like that's earned this reaction is earned this guy's the douchebag happy to be proven wrong but right now i'm team kepka and i and i wanted to get hotter like i mean how great would it be if this, you know, leads to F-bombs in the clubhouse and they're in the final pairing, it'd be the most watched event. You know, it could be the waste management tour. It would be everyone would be like, oh, my God, they're paired together in the final grouping. 
Here's you want you want to get into the punch up segment here. This is one of my very best ideas in sport. Uh, and, and I don't say that lightly. Um, you really want to take full advantage of this. Do the skins game. You can throw whoever else you want in there. Of course, those two are required. And in fact, maybe we don't need the ancillary participation of Phil Mickelson or anyone else. Just those two guys. The difference is this time they each have to pony up their own $10 million. That that stakes. Now, I pitched it to Sal, and Sal's response rightly is, but you just have to have some gentleman's agreement between these two ungentlemanly fellas. But you would have that like you can't have a sponsor to cover that. This has to come from your bank account. And I don't know who the uh, um, the person who's going to confirm that. But if you did that, and by the way, if it goes well, let's apply it to every sport. You have to – everybody playing is ponying up their own money. You want to see effort? You want to see um, guys care a little bit more? Their money's on the line. Or, as Sal says, make – Sal said – but. You know, because I hate the the mayor, the mayoral best. You know, uh, cute. I know it's fun. It's super fun. It's, it's on the level of, hey, Tom Brady is uh, Tom Brady's uh, social media team writing cute little wise cracks against Aaron Rodgers. Like, ha ha. Like, how much credit does do we have to give Tom Brady for that? Um, it's. Uh, I think that if you a better mayoral bet would be we're sh- shutting down all public transportation for the next day. That, that was Sal's idea. Yeah, New York city, you lose this one, Atlanta and New York city, no subways for the, for, for 48 hours or something like that. That's yeah, it. You have Better to, yet, uh, the yep. only team that gets, only one team gets paid. The one that wins the other team, you lose your game. All right. Better luck next week, fellas. I love that idea. You have to Chris Christie yourself. You have to shut down your own public transportation. <laughs> don't blow this for us i do love it when a when a boxer is calling out another boxer he's like winner take all that, you know that's that's pure hatred i just want to beat your ass come on um, hey, or dechambeau one of the two of you do it did uh what is do we have a an origin to this feud sal said it had something to do with slow play Not oh is that right fucked I, your girlfriend no yeah it's not as interesting uh, but uh, that, I thought, that I clip thought one was fantastic. I, I assume one guy didn't uh, wipe down the inclined bench when he got up from doing his third set on it, and the other guy was raw about it. Something I thought I assumed it had something to do with. Uh, Dechambeau didn't. Dechambeau didn't strip the three plates on the bench when he was done. Like, great. I, I don't warm up with three fifteen. Max All right, what's I think we've. I think we've. Spaghetti, what's your max? What's your all-time max? Uh, I've I've oh, done yeah. three plates Good before. I've, I've hit I've hit three fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Back, in, back in the heyday, back this was closer to like twenty sixteen. I want to say around there, twenty fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, back, that was back in way back in the day when Hench was only forty eight years old. Um, the um, Eddie Spaghetti. Wait, so what does that amount to? I don't know what that uh, three hundred fifteen pounds. Amount. Yeah. Yeah, oh my god! Three, three, it's three plates 315. on each side. I, I've only right, done spotter though. Not, I, I don't do it anymore because I don't have anyone that goes to the gym with me, so I don't, I don't try that. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think now I, I don't know if I would get three fifteen. I'd be, I'd be close to three hundred. Spaghetti, we uh, should try to put the, this once in. All, once everything opens back up, the three of us are going to become a trio at the gymnasium. We're going to 
find a, a place that's convenient for all three of us and we'll just pump iron in our free time. Get you. Yeah, we should put this, we should put this, uh, let's put this in terms that Sheck can understand. Sheck, you know when you put three fives on each side of the bar? You know when you slide the yeah, three right. fives on? Um, that's 15, that's 70, right. that's 75 pounds. That's 75. Okay. What, what, <laughs> what spaghetti benched is more than four times as much as your max. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely do the bar right now without having lifted in years and years. I can definitely oh do the bar by myself. Uh, listen, that's another subject we could do. Gym etiquette. We could go on and on about that. All right, let's let Hench go here. He's an important man with important uh, uh, work to do here, but we appreciate as always the great time. A, uh, another gangbusters run here. All right, Spaghetti, I need you to distract me from the nightmare. Talk about the dream that we all had as sports fans. Everybody loves baseball, tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. On FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you play first bet risk-free up to $1,000 as a new user back in site credit. If your first bet doesn't win, that's right, if it doesn't win, you get your loot back and FanDuel Sports app, I wax about it all the time with good reason. It's the number one sports book in Sports America. It's easy to use, great odds, all sorts of fun, different style bets you can make, um, different bet- bet- betting markets and beyond. I say it, bet on other Rogers. It's a better nickname than um, than his stupid A-Rod name, and he is going to wind up in Denver. Anyway, I digress. Eddie Spaghetti, we're talking baseball here. Lay one on here. Give me a good bet to make here using the FanDuel Sportsbook and the promo code minus three. I'd love to give a bet. And like I you know, said one uh, bet earlier in the show about the Mets, but let's flip it around and give you the other better team in New York, and that is the New York Yankees. And look who's pitching Friday night for the Yankees versus the Lowly Tigers. It's Garrett Cole. Uh, he's at 92 strikeouts. He's going to go way past that. He's going to break the 100 strikeout mark. Uh, his ERA is below two, and the Yankees are going against Casey Mize. Uh, bet the Yankees in this game. Also bet the Detroit Tigers uh, team runs under. I feel really good about this because the Yankees are coming off the you know the injury news to Kluber, the injury news to to Luke Voigt. So things are down, but Garrett Cole is going to be on the bump. He's going to bring them back up. Morale is going to be high again. So Yankees, Tigers runs under. Spaghetti. Everything's coming up pasta right now for him. Back in Staten Island. He may never come back. Aaron Rodgers may stay in Hawaii forever. Eddie Spaghetti may stay in Staten Island forever eating his pizza. You know what? You're you're kind of like you could make a case that you're the key to the Knickerbocker success. And if you leave, that you could disrupt that. You may just stay there and eat your favorite uh, local pizzas till uh, the Knickerbockers are out. Um, all right, good stuff there, Spaghetti. By the way, I can say sincerely, after game five with the Penguins, I knew beyond a certainty there was no chance that they could beat the Bruins under these circumstances. The Bruins don't get the rest for a week and ends are going to have to scratch it out in seven with a shaky goalie. That's not going to, and then they rest for what 48 hours or whatever, and then run it back against the, the big bad Bruins. That would be a recipe for failure anyway. So whatever, pull the bandaid off. It's all over with now I'm rationalizing, but I do think that that happens to be true. 
I totally agree with that. I think uh, I was telling Hench off air before that, you know, this Bruins Isle series is going to be like the roughest, toughest, like blue collar grinded out uh, series. And unfortunately, the Penn style play similar to the Rangers that you know, a lot of skill, but just not a lot, not a lot of grit. And especially the teams banged up and I'll, I'll make you feel better. I know you're just you're, you know, talking about it before to the to the Pens, just kind of blow it up, rebuild and move on and start fresh. Uh, and try to compete in the division in a few years or stick, you know, keep the band together and, and you know, figure it out. I, I don't see a reason to to blow it up because we were talking about it before, too, off air as well. It's like when you have a hot goaltender or a, a goal that, you know, figures out in the playoffs, makes a couple of great saves. That's the difference. And really what it came down to is Jari just didn't make enough bigger saves. The Isles pretending, you know, Tandem did make those saves. You're also limping into the playoffs and it's a really well-coached team. It's a really well-ran organization where you guys never draft high. You never really get the biggest name free agent, but you get guys who fit a certain role. You get guys who are, on the, you know, the third, fourth liners who play 200 feet. And you have guys who fit on a line. They, they have chemistry with Crosby. They have chemistry with Malkin. They have guys who contribute on special teams. So it's like if you have an organization who is really a, a well-oiled machine like the Pens, it's like, well, you get a, you know, get some healthy goaltenders in there. Make sure Crosby and Malkin are healthy for the playoffs. And then if they get hot, it's like you're right back in the dance. So I don't see the need as long as you have those. As long as you have 71, 87, and you have Latang, um, and and you know Sullivan's the coach, and the all the, the scout departments all there together. It's like just just run it back. Like just try again next year. I'd be I, surprised I don't, if they if they bumped off uh, Sullivan. It wouldn't be a complete stunner. I don't think he deserves. Obviously, I don't think he deserves it. He's won two Stanley Cups in in last half decade. Um, and won the toughest division in the league this year. I think that there's potentially some philosophical differences. Burke and, and Hextall do like the playoff and tumble more than Sullivan does. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he's not predisposed to embrace that. I could see that. By the way, as far as that goes, um, with uh, with those two guys, less than ideal for, you know, at, at this point, I still think you can probably say after – Crosby that Malkin and Latang are their two best players or at least in the four or five players uh, on the roster. So it's less than ideal. It's kind of like having Shaquille O'Neal, who is a pivotal player and you don't go anywhere without him. But you also know at the tail end of the game, he's going to be a liability at the free throw line. And you just have to accept that. It's kind of that with these pants. Everybody on the team understands no matter what, when in doubt, get it deep. Move the puck forward. Don't move it east-west, at, at least. Chip it forward no matter what. Those two guys are the, the exception. Don't do it. It's accepted by the coaching staff on down. It's not ideal, but I'm with you. Don't give away Hall of Fame talent. I, I, I am philosophically against doing that. Um, and the, the thing specifically about Malkin that I think is a little – underrated for him is he does change their profile in terms of toughness. People don't necessarily associate, you know, high end scores uh, as being that, but he is a, you know, he is, even if it means sitting down in the box on occasion, he's not shy about throwing an elbow. You're, you want to take on at me, you pay a price at least of, of getting a bloody nose or otherwise he does change the way you approach them and I do think there was a discernible difference once you threw them on the ice the Islanders did kind of have to back off a little bit they couldn't take the liberties they did when 71 wasn't uh, in the roster enough I don't want to talk about it any uh, anymore Eddie Spaghetti I'm happy for you and your knickerbockers and like I say for everybody there in Staten Island and the rest of the boroughs wait a second let me name them I should be able to name them 
I thought it went Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and uh, did I wait? Did I say Staten Island already? Well, that would be the fifth one. Right. You need the Manhattan, rest. Staten Island. So then, what? So Long Island isn't a borough then? No, Long Island is just. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, you corrected me. You said no, it is. I okay, good, good. I saw I was right. Yeah, that was crazy then. Okay, good. All right, listen. I want to because I'm a gentleman. I have to sit here and speak with uh, Mikey Meatball, so I'll stick around for this week's edition. Hard it will be. I'm a pros pro and a and a gentleman to beat the band. It's time now. Playoff edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. All right. I'm looking forward to this spaghetti and meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs. And I will start out just saying congratulations. Your Islanders are now advancing. And they the, their prize is to face the Boston Bruins, a team that I have picked to go on to win the Stanley Cup. So congrats to that. And uh, Dave is hanging around here. I'm sure there may be a little fighting words soon because the, the Penguins, the lowly Penguins. Now, I have nothing now. to say. You should be... You should be ashamed of Mayfield and the other thugs that you throw out onto the ice to try and limit. And guess what? Congratulations. You succeeded. It's great for the, the sport. You guys, you guys physically pummeled elite stars who want nothing but the best for themselves, for their city, and for humanity. And, uh, and I think that your thugs showed no dignity in trying to deprive the Penguins of that. But listen, muzzle tub to you meatballs i'm happy for you i'm happy for your kin i feel sad and also you have abided by your self-imposed no comment policy through the series well now it's over speak um i still have nothing to say about pittsburgh we play boston now on saturday so that's all i'm focused on (laughs) what a creep you're going to be great. If, if ESPN or TNT doesn't hire you to sit next to Wayne Gretzky, they're really missing out. The two of you, Wayne Gretzky, would be like, oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That guy is good. He's almost as good as I was, is what Gretzky's going to insinuate. He won't say those words, but he'll insinuate that because he's a passive-aggressive jerk. Just as I didn't know until this day, so too is Mikey Meatballs. Passive-aggressive jerk. Listen, we play Saturday night at 8 o'clock. That's my focus right now. Does no good to look back on you Pittsburgh. guys talk about. You know what? YouTube bums talk about whatever crap you want to talk about. I got better things to do than listen to your nonsense, even though I don't have anything to do because the Islanders took away my one passion, my one joy in this world. Now it's gone. Thanks a lot, meatballs. Screw. All right, Dave exits. Um, well, uh, you guys had your words, so you want to focus on what's coming up next. But and, and you were right all along. You said that the, you know the, the Islanders are going to win this series, so I, I have to give you credit there. Uh, looking forward to the Boston Bruins, I want to ask you a few questions. No more, you know, three stars. We'll focus on your series. <laughs> My first question is: Well, after the series wrapped up, what was the one thing? that you are most happy that the Islanders did or what, what, what is something you saw that made you, you know, very, very happy in this Islanders team. And maybe you were looking to see them continue that versus Boston uh, coming up next round. Uh, well, I hope they can continue. Why? Well, I, I don't hope, I think they will um, continue to work, like focus in on that perfection line, you know, that Boston has and, you know, do what they did against Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang. Those guys didn't really do much. Crosby had, 
what do you have? One goal in the series. Um, so, I mean, you guys just got to do the same thing. First pass and I, Bergeron, Marshan, Taylor Hall, keep playing that way. And I think we'll be all right. Now, reversely, what's something that your team was doing that you were really was just pissing you off and something that you, they need to adjust to to be better at versus the Bruins in the next round? Uh, we cannot have – I mean, there weren't too many in the series with the Penguins, but we cannot have, like, turnovers or slow starts like we did, you know, in some of the games against Pittsburgh. I think there's no other team in hockey like the Islanders where one mistake – leads to a goal like every single time you know turnover or if they don't get it out of the zone quick enough small missed opportunity you might not think much of always leads to a goal so that have to cut down on cannot happen against boston and you got to score first on risk if you can score first on risk and get them frustrated and especially if you're you're playing at the the coliseum i i think that's going to help because i mean you saw at the Coliseum yesterday, it was, yeah. it was a guaranteed. I mean, between the Knicks coming off a loss and the Islanders last game, at, possible last game at home, it was a New York guarantee yesterday. Like, you knew Jar, Jari's going to have nightmares about playing at Nassau uh, Coliseum because it, it's just it's too hard to play. And if, if you're an opposing goalie, if, if, so if they can score first in Rask, especially in the home games, and just let the crowd take over and, and play their type of hockey, I think they'll be all right. Does the amount of rest time the Boston Bruins have versus what obviously you guys are dealing with, does that kind of influence things? All that scare you a bit? Or you think that, you know, they're just ready to roll because, you know, they're going to just keep this momentum going? Uh, you know, it, it's weird to play off hockey because sometimes you see the longer rest teams are almost at a disadvantage. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll play into a factor for either teams, a shorter rest or a longer rest. I, I think they're both going to come out and be, it's going to be the same. The one thing that's interesting is like you guys are now going to play a team that's way like vastly different than what yeah. the, the pens are. Like the pens are definitely a skilled team, you know, a few injuries uh, at the goalie position or any, obviously Malkin limping into the playoffs, not a lot of grit, not a lot of uh, guys who, you know, play the, the 200 foot game. And this Boston Bruins team is like the exact opposite. It's going to, like me personally, just looking at these two teams uh, at a macro level, I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be a gritty, just super blue collar, yeah. tough, grind 100%. you out. Trying to series. So like, that's, that's what you think as well. Is that going to, does that change how the Isles play? Like, do you think like, uh, are they, they rather welcome a team that's play similar and maybe like the, the finesse speed style of Pittsburgh um, was tougher for them? Or like, how do you see that change in styles of play, you know, changing this this upcoming series i don't think i I don't think it's going to change much for the islanders i think they're just going to continue to go out and play they're going to force you to play their game of hockey i don't think they're going to try to adapt to another team's type of hockey that's why it's important for them to grab a lead if they can grab a lead they really can force you to play their type of hockey and especially like if they go up two or three nothing it's it you know nine out of ten times or I should say ninety nine out of a hundred times are winning that game. It's 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 too hard to put up that many goals on a team like the Islanders when you have to play their type of physical hockey. Not a lot of space. You know you don't get good looks. You just it's just you know far out shots that type of hockey. We can wrap up this series with this and maybe I'll try to pull it out of you. Let's see if you'll give one. But are you ready to give a a series winner and in how many games or is that not the time yet? 
Well, well, I have to go with the Islanders, don't I? I mean, I can't, course, yeah. I can't say the Bruins yeah. at this point. And so let's go Islanders. And I hope they take it in four. Yeah. Uh, that's um, that, that, that's wishful thinking. That's oh wishful thinking. No, but I, I see this game. I can see the series going six or seven, I mm-hmm. think. I think most fans probably do. Just the way it's going to be probably low scoring type affairs, you know, three, two, two, one, that type of series. So I think it goes to six or seven. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you definitely in the amount of games. I'm definitely with you on the keeping a low scoring. It's a series. I know I've said a million times I've picked the Bruins to win in our draft and stuff, but it's weird when like playoff hockey gets rolling and then you see the teams, how they play throughout the series. And then you're like questioning all of your picks and I have like no feel for this series whatsoever. I might need another uh, day or two to really figure out who's going to be uh, the winner of this one. But yeah, I definitely, I mean, the Coliseum is rocking I and mean, you were right the whole way. So, I mean, I, you got to give you credit there. Another great addition of shredding meatballs. I am looking forward to this next series with the Bruins and the Isles. And now uh, instead of you fighting Shaq, you're going to be fighting Hench. So that'll be, uh, that'll be a fun one to watch, but uh, good stuff as always. All right. Muzzle tub to you meatballs. Good luck against Hench's Bruins. And beyond, oh, wait, I think the Bruins, if they survive this one, have a real, real shot at winning the Cup. In fact, are my pick to win the Cup if they survive it. Um, all right, we'll see how it goes. Enjoy your sports weekend. Um, we'll be back on the other side of it to break it all down for you. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti, Mikey Meatballs, and Kevin Hench, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.